Shalom Aleichem. We're exploring the Kutasiches, volume 20, Chilik Chof, Noyach Aleph. To my thinking, this is a very fundamental Sikha in the Rebbe's Teira. So the Rebbe begins by speaking about the fact that we know that Noyach is not considered great by compared to Abraham Avinu. Noyach is a tzaddik, but only in his generation. Not compared to Abraham. The, the, the language is that there's two ways to look at that, right? Noyach was righteous in his generation, so it could be a compliment that even in such a vicious generation, simple generation, he was righteous. But the other way to look at it, and I guess both are true, that he was righteous in his generation. Had he been in the generation of Avraham Avinu, of Abraham, he would be considered nothing. Says the Rebbe, a basic question, but he was in the generation of Avraham. Their lives overlap by 58 years. It says if you want to know how many years Avraham lived within Noyach's lifetime, it's 58 years. And the hint is the word Noyach itself is 58. Noyach, Nunches. So what does this mean? If he was in the generation of Avraham, he would be nothing. He was in the generation of So it's a very basic, as we would call it, a klotz kasha. Um, that's the opening question. Put that on a side for now. Then the Rebbe says that, um, let's take a look at the Rambam in the laws of Avedah Zara, where the Rambam discusses the whole journey of Avraham discovering about Hashem, which was a big deal, and how idolatry uh, began before that. And in that section, when he discusses Avram Avinu's contribution, it says that Avram was a child, and he was surrounded by idolatry, and everybody was serving idols, and he was as well, in Urkastin. And he had no teacher, and no guidance. And then eventually he discovered, uh, as a young person, he started to think who's moving the, the, the whole orbit of creation, and he started to be curious even as a child. And then eventually, the Rambam says when he was 40, he recognized his creator. And then he started teaching and preaching and giving proofs and, and winning over many, many thousands of people. So the Rebbe says that uh, it's curious that the Rambam only mentions that opinion that Avram recognized Hashem at the age of 40. There are various opinions. Some say he recognized Hashem at the age of three, some say 40, some say 48. There are some other opinions. The prevalent opinion in the Midrashim, in the Medrash, is 48. Why does Rambam deviate from that, the most popular accepted version of it, and accepts a less well-known version of 40, doesn't even mention the other possibility? And why does it not mention the idea that he also recognized God or began recognizing God at the age of three? which is not in conflict to the 40 or the 48. He began at three and he fully arrived there at 40. So why does Rambam just stick with the 40? No mention of 48, which is the more popular version, and not even any lip service paid to the three-year-old, which commentaries point out is not in conflict. It would mean the beginning of his journey. Rambam mentions it. Avram started to babble in it as a child, but he doesn't mention the three-year-old thing at all. He strictly sticks to the 40. Why? So these are the two opening questions. And then we go into the actual sikha. We'll come back to them afterwards.
The Rebbe opens up the Rambam. Chapter 1 of Hilchos Avadazara, the laws of idolatry. There are very many laws, very, very many mitzvahs, a whole bunch of mitzvahs, just in the laws of idolatry, right? We're all students of Rambam. Uh, total of 51 mitzvahs related to idolatry out of 613. That's a lot. And most of them are negative commandments. Out of the 365, you have close to 51. Actually, they're all negative commandments, except for one. Uh, two. Two positive commandments and 49 negative. So it's 49 out of 365. It's a whole bunch. So the Rambam, uh, there's a whole bunch of chapters. Of, but chapter one, relatively long chapter, doesn't seem to have any laws. It's a history lesson. And anyone who reads the Rambam is curious about it. Whole long thing. Rambam says, how did idolatry begin? Back in the day, in the days of Enosh. Um, people knew there's a creator, but they started making a mistake. And the mistake started out with an innocent mistake and it became worse and worse and worse. The first mistake was that they... Uh, that they said, hey, this creator gave so much power and, and, and covered and recognition to the sun, the stars, and the moon, all these powerful things out there. They're God's servants to make the world go round. They're given such respect. We ought to give them honor. Just like a king who gives, who obviously you're going to respect the king's ministers and officers because the king put them in a position of respect and power. So people started respecting them and then eventually started bowing to them and praying to them and maybe even making some kind of images to them. But again, so far it was just in the knowledge that God is the is the real God and the only God, but they're his servants and we're just giving them some respect. We're being nice to the staff. Then continues Rambam in the next halach that over time uh, prophets started coming up and saying, you know what, not only should we know about them and think about them, and but that they came and gave prophecy to, 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 to this prophet to worship them and how to worship them and how to ask them of things. And if this star is good for this thing and this star is good for that wish that you have in life and for this blessing, and it became a whole business. The prophets now are telling you which star to worship and what the, the return will be. And then eventually it devolved further and further over many, many years and generations. But they started making all kinds of images. And then eventually they forgot that there's a God behind this whole thing. As much as it was wrong, even the first moment, to give them any credence, even if you believe that God is in control and they're just his staff, that is wrong because from a Jewish perspective, Hashem runs everything. But eventually, off to the point where they just forgot completely about the Creator. And they're just worshiping all kind of images and all kind of stuff that reflect different stars as if they have power. And completely forgot about the Creator. Came along from Avinu. And uh, he turned things around. And Rambam goes in great detail. However, Ram Avinu, as mentioned earlier, initially in his childhood grew up surrounded by these idolaters and he served with them. But he started to wonder about it. And he started to search. What do you mean there's no God? Who's moving the whole system? It can't go by itself. And he started to eventually discover it. Even though he had no teacher and no guidance, it was his own discovery. 
And finally, Rambam says, as mentioned earlier, by the age of 40, he recognized fully his creator. Eventually, Hashem revealed himself to him. But this was so far off from the bottom up, from, from, from himself, from his own initiative. He discovered God, and then he started to teach it, etc., etc., etc. He had many followers, thousands, who began to believe in monotheism and embrace it. And then, of course, it continued through Yitzchak and through Yaakov and the Shvatim and the studying Torah. Fantastic thing. We have a whole nation being born of believers who understand that there's no such idolatry where they have zero power and there's nothing except a single God. Nothing has power except Hashem. And then when he went down to Mitzrayim, this started to seem to reverse itself. This little nation, this beautiful, beautiful nation, started to lose its footing and worship idols together with the Egyptians. They were in Egypt 200 years plus. And it came a point where, God forbid, this, this spark of truth can be forgotten. This little nation can lose its footing and its faith. Says Rambam that in God's kindness, he made, created this miracle called Moshe Rabbeinu who came and took them out of Egypt and gave them the Torah and, uh, and, and, and uh, the mitzvahs and showed them the way, the proper way to serve Hashem and the rest is history. That's the entire chapter one, in short. So the Rebbe says, this is the main part of the Sikha. We'll come back to the questions at the end. The Rebbe says, this is such a strange chapter in Rambam. Why is Rambam pausing in the middle of his law book to give you a history lesson? Technically, he could have done this by many other laws. He didn't do it. You know, for example, when he came to the laws of, uh, of Shabbos, he probably should have had a whole introduction about the story of creation. When he came to the laws of Pesach, he should have had a whole introduction of what happened, the whole history. He should have had a whole history book before the laws of Pesach. It, it, it's, it's not there. Because Rambam states in his introduction that this book is called Halachis Halachis. It's laws, laws. It's simple, it's straightforward, it's just laws. And the Rebbe maintains that Rambam means what he says. And therefore, every single thing in Rambam, every single thing, even the occasional narrative or inspirational words, are there in some fashion a part of teaching laws. How can a whole chapter here of history of how this began and how it devolved and further devolved and further devolved and then Abraham turned it around and it almost fell apart and Moshe reversed it. How is this all lost? This is the big question of the scene. Comes along the Rebbe and says that this is all really halakha because by these details, Rambam is teaching us what really the definition of the mitzvah of prohibition of idolatry is. Namely, on the face of it, you think, what is the laws of idolatry? You're not allowed to bow down, you're not allowed to worship, you're not allowed to sacrifice, you're not allowed to pour libations. And those things are all true. <clears throat> However, the Rebbe says the Rambam is teaching us here that the underlying thing, that the biggest prohibition, the essence of the law of idolatry is that a Jew is not allowed to understand that there's any truth to anything besides Hashem. And the positive myths of idolatry, of, of negating idolatry, is that a Jew is supposed to understand Achtos Hashem, that there's just Hashem. There's no other power. After that comes all the behaviors. I'm allowed to put libations and bow down, God forbid, and, and serve. It's all true. 
But you see, while in most mitzvahs, the main thing is the action. The intention is sort of extra credit. If I shake my lulav and I'm not familiar with the kavana, if I make if I make kiddush and I'm not familiar with the kavana, I did a mitzvah without intention. I did the mitzvah. The language is you do a mitzvah without intention, it's lifeless. It's missing its soul, and therefore it's better to do it with kavana. The definition of the mitzvah is the behavior. The kavana is somewhat extra, even though it's important, but it's extra. There's all kinds of discussions that there are select mitzvahs where the kavana is sort of imperative. Like for example, where the Torah says about tefillin and about the and about uh, about tzitzis and about sukkah, that you're doing this in order to know leman yedu, and therefore it's almost like the kavana becomes strictly important in those cases. But still, even there, the kavana is not the definition of the mitzvah. The definition of the mitzvah is the behavior. Put on the tefillin, tzitzis, and sit in the sukkah. However, the Torah says that in this case, the kavana is actually almost critical. Here, the Rebbe is saying that the Rambam is teaching us by dedicating an entire chapter to the philosophy behind the Avodah and its negation that is actually the halacha. You want to know the laws of idolatry? You want to know what not to do and what to do? Namely, not to worship idols and to worship Hashem? There's going to be a whole lot of details. 51 mitzvahs with many, many, many laws. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't stand, don't bow, don't sit. But those are secondary. The first and foremost is to know the truth, to study, to think, to understand the plain truth that in such a world, there's only one creator. And if you study it, you'll come to that conclusion. There's only one creator and one manager, and there is no partners and no details, no assistance, no helpers. It's completely him running the show from beginning to end. And we should understand that there is no other and this is something that you can come to on a logical conclusion. It's not something that you can just embrace with faith. It's something, it's a mitzvah on the mind. This is not a this is not just a command, just accept it. It's a mitzvah on the mind to understand this. This is a this is a bombshell. This is a chiddush, it's an innovation. The only example I can give is the mitzvah of Torah study. It's not a mitzvah to accept the Torah. There is such a mitzvah, that's a mitzvah of faith. But the mitzvah of Torah study is the mitzvah to understand. Says the Rebbe, the mitzvah of idolatry and the positive mitzvah to embrace Achtos Hashem, the only, only truth is Hashem. This is a mitzvah on the mind. And that's the main part of the mitzvah. That's the essence. The language of the Ram is the Iker Avodah The essence and the, and the source of it is that the human mind, the Jewish mind is commanded by God to study this and know it understand it intellectually. It makes complete sense that there's one creator and the world itself is proof to it. The way everything works perfectly. Like Ramam says, uh, the Ram sees everything is turning in the same unison. Of course there's one creator and leader. And it's impossible that there's anything else that has any credence, let alone independent credence. And that's not something that is so just because I have to accept it on faith. It's obvious. It makes sense. That's what a mitzvah of Abu Zara is on a yid, on Avram's children. And therefore, you have another 50 mitzvahs how to practically uh, uh, not serve it, etc.
Based on this, we can understand why the Rambam is giving a whole chapter dedicated. This is not history at all. This is law. And the Rebbe goes through it. I'm not going to go through every detail, nor does the Rebbe. But you can go through the entire chapter that the Rebbe, that Rambam is, is explaining how the whole mistake was an intellectual one and the whole recognition by Avram was an intellectual one. The language is that they were made, they were wise men in the time of Enosh, and they made a mistake. Not they did a sin. Rambam doesn't say they did a sin. They were wrong. One thing to say you're a sinner. It's another to say you're just wrong. They were wrong. Rambam makes a point to say that it was by good intention, not because he's trying to make them look good, says the Rebbe, but because he's trying to explain to us that this is an intellectual reality. It's just a truth that we are charged to discover. Therefore, the Rambam goes through those details, that the wise men of the time, they, they erred a big mistake. And that mistake evolved and devolved and devolved and devolved. And it's just a series of mistakes. They're all wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong again. Not just that it's a sin. It's just wrong. It's two plus two equals ten each time over and over. Makes no sense. And then came along Abraham Avinu and reversed it. And how did he reverse it initially? Not because of faith, not because of revelation. He started to think. He said, what? This makes no sense. This is stupid. Who's moving the Galgal? Who's moving the whole thing? All the stars and constellations and all the planets and all the orbits. And it works in unison and it works perfection. He explored this and he said, this is just stupid. And he discovered Hashem with his own mind. And without a teacher, Rambam makes a point to say, and without guidance, because this is all about discovery, mental, intellectual discovery, because that's the entire emphasis of this chapter. Then he was able to teach it, and he proved that Rambam goes in great detail. The Sikha is so brilliant. Essentially, once you learn the Sikha, you see the Sikha in the Rambam. The Rambam is going very, very in detail to explain that Abraham, Avram Avinu went and he gave lectures and he proved it with various proofs. Why does the Rambam have to say that? Because again, that's the whole point here, that this is provable, it's logical, it's rational, it's irrational to believe in any form of idolatry, if you really want to be honest. And that's part of the mitzvah of idolatry. To understand this and, and to under, to prove it, to learn it, to own it intellectually. And Avram proved it. And he had a tremendous amount of followers. And the Rambam further says that he was planting this faith. He uses the language to plant this faith. And the Rebbe says in the Sikh and also in the footnotes. And it says later that Avram planted an Aishel tree, which is a, really a hotel to teach about Hashem. What does it mean to plant? That you plant a seed, it will grow on its own. Because the whole concept here is he wasn't preaching some truth that because he, he had a revelation and he's trying to get people to buy it as a prophecy. He's telling the people, think. He planted this truth. When you plant a seed, it will grow on its own. Just like when a person is told to think eventually they will understand it on their own and it will grow on them and they will own that truth. That's the purpose of this chapter because that's the definition. The mitzvah of achtos Hashem, of total faith in only Hashem and the prohibition of any belief in anything else. It's not just, you're not allowed to say those words, you're not allowed to bend down in front of this rock. 
that you are meant to embrace this intellectually and the, that only Hashem exists and nothing else can. Because it's self-evident, if you're really going to be honest. That's the mitzvah. So without this chapter, you wouldn't know what it means. Just a bunch of do's and don'ts. No. The first do and don't is intellectual exercise. Because why is it intellectually obvious? Because it's the truth. And it's not a truth that's known only on high. You can't say this about every other mitzvah. You can't say that if I wouldn't have Torah, I would know to keep Shabbos. I would know not to eat milk and meat. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know to put on tefillin. I wouldn't. How would I know these things? It's not obvious. It's a commandment, and it's given down through Torah from generation to generation. I do the mitzvahs because Hashem said so, not because it's rational. Over time, some mitzvahs will have explanations and some won't. But the basis of all the mitzvahs is not rational. It's the commandment. The mitzvah of the Zorah is that you should know it rationally. That is the mitzvah. Like I said, the example that I would compare it to is the mitzvah of Torah study. To learn it with your mind. Fantastic. So this chapter is not extra at all. It's a definition and description of the mitzvah of idolatry. Comes along the Rebbe. Based on this, we could answer the questions. Why does Rambam not mention that Avram recognized God at the age of three or 48? Because Rambam is focused on the idea that this is an intellectual thing. And the age of 40 is, as the Talmud says, Abraham Labina, when you're 40, nature has it that you're able to have more understanding. It's natural. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avos lists things that happen naturally. When you're 13, when you're 20, when you're 30, you have natural strength. When you're 40, you have natural capacity for wisdom. The fact that Abraham was able to discover God at the age of three on whatever level he did is because of a gift, because of a miracle, because he was tremendously gifted and maybe some level of prophecy. But the fact that he discovered it at 40, that's something that everybody can do. This is a natural thing. And that's why he sticks with that opinion. Because his message to the to the Torah Jew is that the halacha is that you should use your seichel. Because by nature, no matter if you're brilliant or not, the mind is developed at 40. And by nature, your mind can understand this mitzvah and this truth. So he sticks with 40. He mentions no other numbers. This also explains the other question. Why Chazal say, and Rashi brings it down, that, that Noah was great in his generation, but had he been in the generation of Avram, he would count for nothing. And we said, but what do you mean? Their, their time overlapped. So that ever says, we don't mean that they, 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 they lived exactly, they lived in the world at the same time that Avram lived in the world. The language is that he lived in the generation of Avram. Translation, the time when Avram were influenced the generation. And the, the generation the influence of Avram versus the influence of Noah are totally different. Actually, they're diametrically opposed. It's a different message. It's like capitalism and, and, and communism. It's a different generation. It's a different message. It's not just that Avram was a bigger tzaddik and he was a better teacher and he did better at his outreach. Noah worked for 120 years on the ark. He didn't get that one convert. 
two monotheism and Avram had thousands upon thousands. It was a different message. Noah preached, this is the truth. Why? You got to have faith. Avraham was the one that taught that this is the truth because it's a fact. Think abyssal. This is the reality. It's self-evident. You don't have to yet come out of faith. And therefore it worked. Because he taught that the human mind embraces truth. Nature proves the truth of Hashem. People said, really? Let me see. Boom, it took off. It was a home run. So therefore, when we say Noah is righteous, yeah, in his generation. Had he been in the generation of Avram, translation, had he been, and that and that generation of Avram, the generation of Avram's influence, with Avram's style, Avram clearly had influence even when he was little, even during the lifetime of Noah. But Avram's influence, when he was the influencer, to use a modern term, it was much later when he was 75, and then he, he started to recognize Hashem and in that full way. Um, that's when he influenced the world. For clarity, he, rent, he as Rambam says, he recognized Hashem fully at 40. But when he started to be the influencer, when he went to he went to Kedan and he started to teach and get the following in a big way, the generation of Avram means the message, the style, the method of Avram of Seichel. Discovering Hashem Alpi Seichel. It's called Chabad. This is a Noach doesn't know how to eat that. To him, he had faith, maybe he had some level of revelation, and that was his message. This is the truth. Do it or else. Abraham said, this is the truth. Everything else is stupid, don't you see? Boom! It flew. It was successful. So in such a generation that people are recognizing the truth of Hashem is part of the world. As the Rebbe quoted in his first Maimon, that the God is not the God of the world. The world is part of Hashem. There is nothing besides Hashem. Don't you see? Look at this world. Look how perfect it is. Look how orchestrated it is. Look how gorgeous. That, and now you're bringing in a message of Noah that, you know, you better believe this or else I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth. It's nothingness. It's foolishness. It's not interesting. You don't get it, Nayak. You don't understand. You're still preaching doom and gloom when this is such a self-evident, beautiful reality. So what do we do so far? We answered the two questions, and we explained the Rambam. And we explained beautifully uh, the Rebbe, that is, that why the Rambam is so lengthy at the history of it, because this is really the essence of, really it's the essence of Yiddishkeit. I mean, what is the most important mitzvah? The two mitzvahs of the Ten Commandments. The faith in the one God. There's no others. And the Rambam takes a whole chapter to explain it because it's the definition of the whole Judaism. The rest is commentary. All the positive mitzvahs come from the first and all the negative derive from the second. And therefore, he takes the time to explain. Judaism is not just do this because Hashem said so. Do, do Embrace Hashem and nothing else because it's the truth. And if you think, and you're not stupid, and you don't get distracted and biased with your thinking, you'll discover it. How? From the world, from nature. From the bottom up. Just like Abraham Abinu, he didn't even have a teacher. There were no influences. He wasn't told this is the truth. He looked for it and he found it. Because it is the truth. And therefore the world will prove it. And that's part of Judaism. That the world proves Hashem. Logic proves Hashem. It's emis. It's real. It's obvious. 
Says the Rebbe, there's only a problem, one problem. That later in the same, in the end of this, of this chapter, the Rambam seems to reverse course. He says, but then they went down to Mitzrayim and the Jews were worshipping idols, etc., etc. And this whole nation almost disappeared. Comes along the Rambam and says, so therefore what happened was the Ebishter loves us, loves us and he promised because of his commitment to Avram, to the Avos, he sent Moshe Rabbeinu, the father of all the prophets, and he came and he, he saved the day. And he taught us about the truth of Hashem and and he gave us the the the, the way to serve Hashem and, uh, and 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 he told us the truth and it reversed the whole thing back to where it needs to be and saved the Jewish nation. Says the Rebbe, so just undid the whole thing. Here we explain that the whole thing of idolatry is a discussion of logic that you can come to the conclusion just by having an open mind and discovering it. And here, you, that was almost lost. And what saved it? A prophet. A revelation. So you just undid the whole thing? So the Rebbe says no, because the truth is that this is the yin and the yang of Judaism. Yes, the definition of Judaism is that the human mind can understand the truth of Hashem. However, and that nature itself is evidence to that truth. Why? Because the world is really an extension of Hashem. However, you do need faith and Kabbalah's oil, the language is Nasev and Ishma, right? You do need faith as really as the as the foundation of our service of Hashem, because if you leave it up to the mind, the mind is biased. So the truth is, if the mind is open-minded and it's not biased, it will come to the truth. But the human mind is biased. And therefore, we need a Meishet And we need a Taita to tell us this is the truth. And at the end of the day, Judaism is not based on logic, it's based on faith. Why does a person believe in Hashem? Because it does. Nasev It's based on Moshe Rabbeinu, the father of all the prophets. Based on the tzaddikim, based on the rabbeim. This is our fact. Kabbalah Zeil Machel Shemayim, period. There's a God. Why? Because. Because it's the truth. I don't have to understand it. However, part of Yiddishkeit is that once I know that that's the truth, the commandment is that I should discover it intellectually. Here too, I'm going to use you follow? So the foundation is now becomes a Muna, Meshit Abenu. But what is Meshit Abenu's message to a Yid? That Hashem, the absolute truth, unquestioned, based on faith, is telling you, I want you to learn about me and embrace me intellectually. So the Rebbe is not undoing, Rambam is not undoing the entire chapter. That Yiddish guide and the law and the mitzvah of Achtos Hashem and the negation, complete negation of any other power. It, the mitzvah is intellectual embracing of it and owning it. Yes. But the foundation of that mitzvah is like every mitzvah, because God said so. So here too, I'm going to use the example of the mitzvah of Torah study. You're supposed to study Torah and understand it intellectually. You don't study Torah with faith. But you study Torah because Hashem said so. God forbid you're studying Torah just because it's interesting intellectually. That's not Torah study. I know, and it's it's not it's not good. I guess sometimes it leads to something good, but ultimately the yid studies Torah. Before you start studying Torah, you make a bracha. Now, why are you doing it? Because Hashem gave it to you as a gift. And then, but when you study Torah, you put the faith aside for now and you study. And that's not a contradiction. A yid can handle these two sides. There's a commandment. Hashem told me that I should use my mind and I study Torah. This echoes another sikh about the spies. They were commanded to go and use their minds. Problem was that they forgot the command and they just used their minds. 
The same thing is here. The whole of Yiddish guide is based on Moshe Rabbein, father of prophets, telling us the truth. Why do I know it's true? Because Moshe said so. The Rebbe said so. Tater said so. There's no questions. But now what do I do with that information? What is Tater telling me to do? To learn and understand and over time grow. This is what a Chabadnik is. Chabad means Chachma Binadas, but not God forbid that my discovery of Hashem is based on my mind. And if one day I wake up and I have a question, God forbid the thing is shaken up. The human mind ultimately is limited and is biased. The foundation of Chabad is the teaching of the Malshemtiv and the Magid. But this is truth unquestionable, based on the Neshama, the, the Amuna. Comes along the Alter Rebbe and says that this truth that the Malshemtiv and the Magid revealed is so real. It's so essential that really it permeates and the human mind can understand it too. So just parenthetically bringing that in as sort of as a, a similar model in the revelation of Pneumius Hatayi. It's not unlike this discussion though. That similarly, that's what Yiddishkeit is. Moshe Rabbeinu teaches us, well, based on faith, I want you to learn about Hashem intellectually and understand it and make sense of it. That Based on this, the Rebbe says, now we can understand something else. Based on this, what? That we have a, we, we, we have the essence of Yiddishkeit, the foundation of Yiddishkeit is total amuna. We, we, we do Yiddishkeit because Moshe said so, because it's faith. But a big part of the Yiddishkeit is to understand it. So when it comes to our relationship with Hashem, people often ask, is it faith? Or are we supposed to know about Hashem? Well, look and ramp up. In his Sefer mitzvahs, he says the commandment is Hamonis Elokos to believe in Hashem, and in the Sefer Hamada, in the Sefer Ha, ha Mishnah Torah, in his Book of Laws, the Rambam begins laid out the mitzvahs to know Hashem. Why different? And there's a tremendous amount of discussion about how could you even command faith. But the Rebbe says, Ramam says both things. He says one thing in Sefer HaMitzvah. So the Rebbe sees Sefer HaMitzvah as sort of an introduction to the Sefer HaMishnah Torah. What does he say there? The Mitzvah is to have faith. Because ultimately without that, the whole thing falls apart as it almost did in Egypt. We don't serve Hashem because we understand it because understanding gets biased and tomorrow you can have a question. No. It's a Mitzvah Laham in Melikus. Then the Ramam says in his law book, now that you got that down pat, What's the first line of Rambam? Yisoda, Yisoda, Zvamuda, Chachmas. What's the foundation of all foundation, the pillar of all wisdom? Leida, To know that there is such a creator. Not to know because Torah told you to know it. Knowledge cannot be commanded. Study it. Open-mindedly, you'll discover it. Fantastic stuff. This goes back, this is what goes back, as mentioned, to what Chabad is about and what Yiddishkeit is about from the perspective of Chabad. It's a foundation of faith that really makes sense in real life because ultimately the Jewish message is Shema Yisrael, the Yid can understand Hashem Echad, that everything is God. Why? Why couldn't the mind understand it? And ultimately when Mashiach comes, the whole world, not just the Jewish mind, what's the last lines of the whole Rambam? At the time of Mashiach, the human being will busy will busy themselves, on the, there'll be nothing to do because there's going to be plenty. There's going to be peace. There's going to be food galore. Everything. Madan and Kafar. All the delicacies are going to be available like dust. So all the people are going to be doing is busying themselves uh, to know Hashem. Just to know Hashem. 
as much as humanly possible. And the Rev explains there when he discusses that Rambam, that closing section of the Rambam, that this is not just about Jews. It says, all of humanity. This is not a Jewish thing. It's not just a faith thing. It's the Jewish message. But ultimately, if we're saying that the mind can comprehend it, ultimately, once Yidin brought it to the world, and the world has been refined enough that that bias is sort of tamed, and I guess the world somehow connects to that foundation of truth, they're able to then intellectually pursue it and find it, and as much as humanly possible, really know it. Because it's the truth. If something is the truth, ultimately, it doesn't have to stop at faith. It will permeate the mind as well. And that's the Rebbe's mandate, and that's the mandate of Chabad to all of us.